Good morning. How many of you had rather be in church this morning than in the hospital with COVID? Let me see your hands. Good, that means we're all glad we're here today. Uh, several years ago, when I was still pastor at uh, Highland, a lady approached me in uh, HEB one day, and she said, you're the pastor of Highland Baptist Church, aren't you? Guilty? Yes, ma'am. She said, I recognized you by your shirt. See, at Highland, I always wore Hawaii shirts. As a, if you call this a Hawaii shirt, you've never been to Hawaii. I think I told you the story about when I was preaching there one time. I got off the plane, never had met the pastor of the church I was going to speak in. We only talked on the phone. And he walked right up to me and uh, introduced himself to me. I said, how did you recognize me? He said, by your shirt. He said, we don't wear those shirts over here, only you tourists. But... Uh, I decided a long time ago that the church ought to be a fun place to come. You know, why would you wear the same clothes to church you wear to a funeral? At a funeral, you're there to honor the dead. At church, you're there to honor the living. So, and then when I helped uh, Western Heights for a while, and if you know anything about Western Heights Baptist Church, you'll know it's a fairly uh, old congregation. And uh, I, I wore a Hawaii shirt the first day I preached there, and I was there for probably 18 months, I think. And by the second Sunday, not only were they wearing Hawaii shirts, they were wearing lays around their neck. <laughs> they, they influenced me more than I influenced them, I think. But uh, we had a great time there. So well, for the last few Sundays, we have been talking about the subject of faith. The first Sunday, we define what faith is. The Bible says faith is the subject, it's a, a it's the subject of things we want and evidence of things that we have not seen, according to the 11th chapter. Subject of, uh, it's evident, I, I, I'm now I'm getting it confused. The subject of, somebody help me, you know what it's a Substance, that's the, see I've been using the wrong words. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. And then we looked at uh, not only the definition of what it is, but where do we get it? How do we increase our faith? I've had people, many people come to me over here and say, Pastor, pray for me that I might have more faith. Well, we get faith from the Word. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So if you want more faith, you need to read for more faith, okay? And then we talked about last Sunday the fact that faith is going to be tested. It's not if it's going to be tested, it's when it's going to be tested, Today, I want to talk about another thing about faith, and that is this. Faith must be confessed. Faith must be confessed. Now, in order to understand what that means, we have to understand what the biblical word for confession means. Today, when we use the word confess, we think we're, conf we're admitting we did something wrong. You know, the guy made a confession. He confessed he did it. That's not what the biblical word means. For example, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the word confess there means to say the same thing or to agree with God. In other words, when we're confessing our sin, we're not telling God something he didn't already know. It's not like he didn't see us do it, but we're taking his side. We're saying to him, God, I agree with you. What I did was wrong. Okay, when a person makes a public profession of faith, what are they doing? They're simply agreeing with God. They're simply saying, I believe I was a sinner. I came to the place of believing I was a sinner, knowing I was a sinner. 
I believe Jesus Christ was my only salvation, and so I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. So confession in the Bible usually relates to the Word of God. For example, uh, in Psalms 116, verse 10, David said, I believe, therefore I have spoken. In other words, David is saying, what I believe, I speak. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 13, repeated what he said. He said exactly the same thing. He said, therefore, what, we, uh, I ble- what I believe, he said, I speak. So speaking is a natural way to express our faith. In fact, Jesus said it like this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If your heart is full of faith, the words that come out of your mouth are going to be faith-filled words. If your heart is not filled with faith, then the words that come out of your mouth are going to be filled with doubt and unbelief. Uh, I was talking to my doctor not long ago, and I, I was sharing this passage with him, and I, I said, why is it when I, we go to see you guys, the first thing you want to do is look at our mouth? You know, they stick that thing out, push your tongue down, look in your mouth. He said, I can tell a lot about a person's health simply by looking in their mouth. He said, for example, I can tell if you're anemic or not just by looking in your mouth. God says, I know a lot about you simply by listening to what you say, what comes out of your mouth. Paul said salvation comes out of our mouth before it's in our heart. Listen to Romans chapter uh, 10 and verse 8. What does it say then? The word is nigh to you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we have preached that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But notice in verse 8, it says that uh, the mouth comes before the heart. He says, but what sayest thou? The word is near unto you in your mouth, and then he says it's in your heart. Now in verse 9, he says the same thing. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is kurios, Lord, and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So faith needs to be expressed out our mouth. Uh, over the years, I have memorized a lot of Scripture I memorize scripture by doing by by writing it sometime, then by saying it out loud. I say it out loud. In fact, I want to memorize the scripture to the point that if you were to wake me up in the middle of the night in the dead of sleep and say, What does Romans 5 8 say? God commended his love to us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Preacher, tell me the story of the prodigal son. A certain man had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me that portion of goods that falleth unto me, and he divided to them his living. Not many days afterwards, the younger son took his journey, gathered all together, took his journey into a far country. There he wasted his substance and riotous living. And when he had spent all, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country who sent him into the field to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. You see what I'm saying? How did you memorize that story? I said it over and over and over again until it became a part of my heart. In fact, the more I say it, the more I say the scripture, 
the more it, 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 see, it grafts itself in my heart. Then when a need arises, when a need arises, it's easy for me to recall that scripture. Why? Because I memorized it. Um, so many, like, born again. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler among the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher which has come from God. For no man do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How do you memorize those scriptures? You say them over and over and over. And, and it, 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 as you say them, it becomes a part of our heart. And uh, now, now here's the problem we run into sometimes. Sometimes when we're trying to say something, our feelings get in the way. And we'll say, well, I can't say that because I don't feel that. And, and we want to express our feelings rather than what the Word says. For example, have you ever heard someone say something like this? I feel like I'm getting sick. Raise your hand if you've ever heard somebody say that. Have you ever heard someone say this? I feel like I'm getting healed. Why don't you say, I feel like I'm getting healed? What does the Bible say? God sent forth his word and healed, and sent forth his word and healed you. The Bible says that uh, over and over and over, it uses that term, that God sent his word and healed us by his stripes, we're healed. But yet, we, we don't say that, do we? We tend to say the negative. And when we, as Christians, we have to learn to say the positive. Faith must be confessed with our mouth. Faith connects the promises of God to the provision of God. Let me say that again. Faith connects the promises that God has given us to the provision that God has given us. So, what does God say? He says, for example, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, with God all things are possible. So, do you know you believe in God? All things are possible. What does it say about us? It says in Mark chapter 9 and verse 26, all things are possible to him who believes. Are you a believer? Yes, then all things are possible. Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, not just stand there and think about it and look at it, but whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, then he'll have whatever he says. Jesus says the words, the words that I speak to you, they're what? They're spirit and their life. And so we have to come to the place where we're willing, I think I have something here I want to share with you, where, where we learn how to take God's word, and first of all, you've got to memorize it, unless you want to walk around with H-E-B with a big Bible in your hand. If you only carry a Bible wherever you go, make sure it has a good concordance so you can look up what you need. But a lot of times, we don't have time to do that, okay? The temptations on us, or the problems on us. I have a friend that lives in Waco, and uh, this is a book that she wrote, Susan Peters. Anybody know Susan Peters? By any chance, she lives in Waco. Susan Peters has uh, four daughters. One of those daughters was born with a problem, and she was born in Waco. They realized she had a, a, a real major problem. So they said, Susan, you need to get take your daughter and you need to take her to Chooks Kilders uh, uh, Cooks. Yeah, that it? Uh, yeah. Is that right? Is it Cooks? Yeah. Children's Hospital in Fort Worth. 
So they rushed her to the hospital. When they examined her, took some tests, here's what they told her. There's no hope for your daughter. I'm reading this right off the back of the cover. There's no hope for your daughter. These were the words of neonatalists from the intensive care unit and the specialists at the Cook Children's Hospital. She has a devastating disease that has left her deaf, blind, mentally retarded, and without motor skills. There is no hope for her recovery. That's what it says on the back of this book. So what is your senses telling you? Everything you see telling you. What are you hearing being told to you? You're being told that there's no hope for your daughter. But what does the Bible say? All things are possible to God. All things are possible to those who believe. So, so listen to what Susan did. Susan took... Uh, now, many of us aren't willing to pay this kind of price. I'm going to tell you right now. Susan turned off the television set. Susan quit getting the newspaper. Susan would only listen to faith-filled scriptures. She looked up testimonies of people who had been healed, and she kept believing and confessing the word over her daughter. People would come to her house, and they'd walk in and look at her in the cradle, and they'd say, what's wrong with her? And Susan would say, nothing wrong with her. She's growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. Anna Joy is her daughter's name. I texted her this week in Fort Worth. Anna Joy graduated from Dallas Baptist University about five years ago. She's now an accountant in Fort Worth, and she just bought her new home. Susan kind of looked at the situation disregarded what the Bible says and just said, okay, I accept what the doctors say. I accept what circumstances are. But she didn't do that. She got in the Word of God and she took the scriptures that, that are promising her uh, health for her daughter and she, read, and she read them over her daughter every single day. And today her daughter is in perfect health. You say, well, that's an exception to the rule and not to rule. No, it's not, it's not for a lot of people. I told you the story about a lady that lives in Houston. When she went to the hospital, they told her she has stage four liver cancer. One of the worst you can get is in your liver. She did the same thing. She took the Word of God, and she started confessing the Word of God. This was 1981. 1981. She just confessed the Word of God. There were 40 scriptures that God put on her heart three times a day. Three times a day, she quoted those scriptures. She's now in her early 90s. She was told she was going to die in 1981. The word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. But it's so easy sometimes for us to just give away, give, give our, get, get away, we just kind of give it away to our emotions or give it away to circumstances rather than saying, what does the Bible say? And sometimes we say, well, I, I go by my feelings. Well, feelings can be very fickle. Feelings can change from one minute to the next. And so we don't go by our feelings. We go by our faith. The Bible says we're justified by faith, not our feelings. I, I heard somebody say one day, they repeat this every day, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. 
Well, there's no faith in that. There's, you're not basing that on any scripture and what faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But, but, but when you say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He's my healer. And so, uh, otherwise, we, we kind of, it's sort of a mind over matter thing. We try to talk ourselves into something. And you don't talk yourself into something. You believe what God has already said. But again, the average Christian, listen, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody because I, I don't even know a lot of you, but the average Christian spends very little time in the Word each week. Very little time. They wonder why they're not seeing the supernatural. They're wondering why they don't see things happen because of their faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Christian is to live by faith. Now, before we just rush into God's presence and start saying things and start asking for things, there's some checkpoints that I think we can make to help us not do that. Okay? The first one is this. Look at your attitude before you rush into the presence of God. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 that Jesus was heard because of his humility. You say, no, Jesus was heard because he was the Son of God. No, he laid that aside, remember? Philippians says he laid all that aside. He approached the Father just like you and I approach the Father. And the Bible says he was heard because of his humility. And how is that expressed in his prayer? He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He was willing to give up his own desires that the desires of his Father might be met. Now, here's what I tell people. That's a wonderful prayer to pray if you don't know how to pray. In other words, Jesus was saying to the Father, Father, if there's some other way here that we haven't discussed that I don't know about, then that's fine. But nevertheless, I want your will to be done and not mine. But it's not the kind of prayer. Now, listen, it's not the kind of prayer I'd pray over every circumstance. I have a friend, in fact, he's a medical doctor also. He told me one day, so here's how I pray. I just say, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Takes responsibility off him, doesn't it? But is there faith involved in that? Is there really faith involved in that? If it doesn't happen, you say, well, it wasn't God's will. That's a prayer that we pray when we don't know how to pray. But when the Bible tells us God's will, that is how we should pray. Secondly, our confession must be kept within the limits of God's written word. That's what Susan Peters did. She took this book, and by the way, you're, some of you are going to come up after church and say, how do I get this book? Unfortunately, you can't. It's out of print. Uh, I called Amazon this week. I didn't call them. I looked. And as of Friday, I think there were two copies left, and they were both used. So unfortunately, you can't get this book. But I told you what Susan did. She took the Word of God, turned off the TV, quit reading the paper, and just confessed to God what His Word says about healing. That's all we have to do. So faith, again, does not create something. It appropriates something that God has already promised. Always depend upon the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. 
You say, well, how will I know what to confess? The Holy Spirit will lead you to confess what you're supposed to confess. The Holy Spirit, is our, he's our guide. He'll take the, and if you weren't here last week, you don't know what I'm talking about. He'll take the logos of the word and make it rhema to you. Always depend upon his grace. You know, grace comes before faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, always depend upon God's grace. What is God's grace? It's our unmerited favor from him. It's something we don't deserve. Uh, people say, well, I don't know if I deserve to be healed. Well, no, you don't. You didn't deserve to be faith, to be saved, did you? For by grace, God's unmerited favor, God's favor toward you. And so God wants to give you that favor. And so trust him. Now, number five, we're not questioning the, the, our, our senses, but we're questioning the finality of our senses. For example, if I sense I'm sick, I'm not going to just deny any of those senses. Abraham did not deny that he couldn't have a child, did he? He didn't say, well, I'm 90-something years old, but I, I can still have a child. No, he said, I can have a child. Sarah cannot have a child. But he had a promise from God. And he let the promise of God overweigh the senses. And as he lined up with his confession with the Word of God, his body was changed to the point that he could have a child. You see what I'm saying? We're not denying our senses. We're simply saying to our senses, you don't have the final say. When Susan Peter said to the, and she was, she's always been very kind when she talks about the doctors and so forth, but she said, they don't have the final word. God has the final word. And God says, I, if, he's, if he gives us that promise, then we stand on it. Uh, There's been times in my life when I'd look around and see circumstances in my life and just say, you know, that's not going to happen. That's not going to turn around. But I'd say, you know what? I don't live by what my senses tell me. I don't even live, I don't even live by what I see going on in the world. I live by what God says. And by believing what God says and confessing what God says, I've seen the situation turned around. Again, we, we saw that... Uh, well, ago he said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, the confession came before the faith. Why? Because confession causes faith. But when we talk about salvation, we need to understand that salvation biblically is more than just being forgiven. We think of salvation, well, when I got saved, all my sins uh, were forgiven. Yes, but it's more than that. Did you know in the Bible, the same word for healed is the same word for salvation? For example, it talks about the woman who had the hemorrhage. Jesus healed her. Sozo. The same word for healing is the same word for salvation. The, the uh, cripple at Lystria. Sozo. He was healed. Same word for salvation. The lame man from his mother's birth. Sozo. Salvation and healed. Uh, the demoniac that Jesus cast the demons out of, sozo, the same word for healed as for salvation. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly home. Salvation includes every single thing that touches your life 
from the moment you're saved until he takes you home. Sozo, that's part of the promises of our salvation. That's what Susan clung to. She had nothing else to cling to. Nothing else to cling to but the Word of God. But she stood on the Word of God. She believed the Word of God, even when her senses and when the doctors and what she saw, all of that was telling her something different. She said, I'm going to stand on the Word. I, uh, I, I brought uh, Anna Joy to church with me one time. I was preaching on healing. And I remember she was sitting right over there with me. And uh, I told the story about her, what the doctor said about her. I said, would you like to know how... Anna Joy is doing today. I said, Anna Joy, stand up. And she stood up. I'd have her with me today, but she lives in Fort Worth. Again, she's an accountant in Fort Worth, perfectly healthy, just bought her, her home. Why? Because her mother stood on the promises of God, and God keeps his word. Uh, let's turn over the book of Hebrews. Let me turn over to the book of Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Listen to what it says about Jesus. Therefore, holy brothers, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of your confession. Now, what does it say Jesus is? He's the high priest. He's the high priest of what? He's the high priest of our confession. What's the difference between a prophet and a priest? A prophet goes to the people on behalf of God. A priest goes to God on behalf of the people. So if Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession, listen carefully, whatever you're confessing, he's taken to the Father. Now, is that what you want him to take to the Father? But the Bible says that's what he's doing. So if you're confessing doubt and unbelief in your heart, guess what? That's what he's taken to the Father because he's the high priest of our confession. Let's look across the page. Chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confessions. Let us hold fast to our confessions. Let's turn over to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Are you holding fast to the confession of your hope? With, without wavering. For he that is promised is faithful. Again, three times in the book of Hebrews, we're told to do what? We're told to hold fast to our confession. Why? Because he is the high priest over that confession. Our, our salvation is linked to our confession. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Our healing is linked to our confession. Our deliverance is linked to our confession. Everything about our life is linked to our confession. So what do we do as Christians? We affirm the Word of God. We confess that Word of God over our situation. I write down things in front of my Bible that I won't remember. And I wrote this down one time. It says, trust God to move the mountain while you keep on climbing. Trust God to move the mountain while you keep on climbing. I know in a congregation this size, there's many of you here today that are going through some real stressful situations right now in your life. You say, well, I'm going through a troubled marriage or I'm going through ill health. Or I'm going through a financial dilemma. 
Jesus is the high priest of your confession. What do you want him to take to the Father? Do you want him to take to the Father? Well, I think my marriage is falling apart. Or do you want him to take? I'm standing on the promises of God, and I'm going to see my marriage healed. You say, well, I'm sick in my body. Well, are you just going to say, well, I'm, I'm sick in my body. The, I've been told there's, there's no hope. But there is hope. There's hope for those who stand upon the promises of God. You see, I, I decided a long time ago, I'd rather drown trying to walk on the water toward Jesus than to be a dry boat Christian the rest of my life. And, and I've decided a long time ago, if there's just overbelievers and underbelievers, I hung out with these underbelievers way too long, and it rubbed off on me. If there's only underbelievers and overbelievers, I'm going to hang out with the overbelievers. And what I'm telling you this morning is not charismatic theology, it's biblical theology. It's what the Bible says. So hold on. Take that to God. Take it to Jesus. He's your high priest, and, and if you confess that before him, guess what? He's going to confess that before your father. And that releases your father to get, to get involved in what you're getting involved with. I've been through a lot of crises in my life. But I've made the decision a long time ago, I'm not going to let the crisis be the final decision. I'm going to let God's Word make that final decision. Amen or oh me? Amen. Let's stand together. Again, I wish I could tell you how to get this book, but uh, I'm trying to talk her into reprinting it. And if I can, I'll let you know it's being reprinted. But as of right now, uh, it, it, it's not available. I'd loan this to you, but I'll tell you what I've learned about Baptists. They're poor accountants, but wonderful bookkeepers. If you loan them, just go ahead and, enter, and you know, write in there, and, hey, this is your, no, I'm just kidding. Mostly, mostly. But seriously, hang on to God's promises. God will never leave you nor forsake, her, forsake you. He's promised you he'll never put more on you than what you're able to bear. But his grace is sufficient to meet your every need. Again, I'll be over here. Brandon and I will be over here after the service. If you want to come during the uh, worship time, you can. Or if you want to wait. If you need someone to agree with you in prayer, I'd love to do that today. You're not in a crisis. There's no crisis to God. Just difficult situations. There's, there's nothing he can't solve. Amen? Nothing he can't solve.